that was music by Dr. Joy Jeffries, too. And we have her with us today on Intuitive Skies Radio. So thank you all for listening. And thank you for being here, Dr. Joy. Oh, listen, Katie, thank you for having me as your guest tonight. What a beautiful song. And what inspired you to write that? Well, you know, many times I think that uh, throughout the course of my life in thinking about the three wise men that traveled across uh, the country, looking at the stars and being able to discern the times. And I found it interesting that even today we still have people who want to believe they're wise and they see the signs that yet for some reason they just can't figure out how to follow which stars. <laughs> that song is yeah. very in-depth. In in regard to that, it, it can be used as kind of, a, I guess, a Christmas song, but at the same time it's speaking to all of us that if we are wise, then we must pay attention to the signs and the times in which we live, and that's what that song is really about. Well, yeah, I wouldn't consider that just a Christmas song really myself. Um, I, I I think that it applies to everyone, and, and as far as following, what what are you choosing to follow exactly? And are you following well, the science? Right, and I guess because I say it was it was kind of around Christmas time last year that I actually, mm-hmm. or year before last, that I actually wrote the song, and mm-hmm. um, and I had always thought about what it would sound like to sound like the camels in the desert and and to do a song like that, and that that mm-hmm. is the song that came to me. So, uh, it, it, like I say, it's got a, a little bit more deeper meaning just on the outside of just listening to what it's saying. It's also speaking to you internally about, like we were talking, that each of us must pay attention to the signs of the times. And if we are wise, then we'll know which you know which stars we need to be following <laughs> and not yeah. be oblivious to it. Yeah, and it's interesting how in the music itself it does have that desert feeling to it as well. So I can tell you put a lot of thought into how it was going to sound to kind of well, bring you funny. there. When I when I actually wrote the song, of course, you know, when you write music and, and it's something that you, you have to, it, until you write a song, you, I guess it's hard to explain to someone really how it kind of comes about and, and how you feel it and it becomes a part of you. And mm-hmm. I know that um, when I sat down, because I play all the instruments in all the songs on the album, Before Time Stops, that, that uh, Tate Publishing did for me, Tate Music Group, and uh, when I was going into the studio that morning, I had this on my mind as to how do I want to make it sound? What what kind of particular uh, instruments do I want to play? And uh, I'll never forget about an hour into the drive that I had to make to the studio, I just started hearing that 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 camel kind of sound going across the desert, and so when I got in the studio, I'll never forget uh, the person that was uh, there in the studio that was helping me put these down and and to uh, and to get them recorded. He, he kind of laughed because I was like, "It's got to sound when we're going through the <laughs> through the desert," and of course it was a lot of fun because there's a lot of little unique instruments. Uh, taps uh-huh. on the fingers and different kinds of things that you add, and you can just, uh, you know, the shakers and all little things that make that sound. That sound, and so I had a really uh-huh. good time actually recording that song. So I appreciate you playing it tonight. And uh, if anyone's well, interested, thank you for sending it. Well, if anyone's interested in in my music, they can go to my website at www.drjoye.drjoy with an e. 
dot com, and uh, there's uh, several little things that you can click on, and you can hear different versions of different parts of the songs that are on uh, the entire album. And uh, if you're interested in it, then of course there's a there's a place you can click and, and of course order it. So I would appreciate any support out there for for my new album. I thank you. Well, I think you definitely got one sale on your hands from me. I think it's beautiful and very meditative as well. Great, great music to meditate to and be prayerful. Well, this to me, this day and time, so much of the music that you listen to has been written in such a way to do a lot of strange things to the mind, which concerns me greatly because in the research that I do, I found that, especially with the harmonics that are going on, that the music industry has now discovered that you can actually cause a type of um, brain wave to be manipulated by allowing the music to take certain uh, harmonic notes. And I know a lot of people allow their children to just listen to any any music that's out there, but I would caution because a lot of the music today has been very indoctrinated. I can remember when I was growing up, and I guess the first time that I ever heard something strange that could happen in the music industry was that I grew up listening to the Beatles, and that was one of the reasons that I began playing the drums when I was six years old because of Ringo Starr. And um, just just really set the course for me to learn how to play a lot of musical instruments. But I'll never forget when I had a friend in high school take me over to their house and say, have you ever thought that there could be something within a record that you couldn't hear? And I'll never forget them taking the the album and and running it backwards on Mm -hmm. the stereo at the time. You had to just take your hand and push it backwards in those days. Mm -hmm. And and it was like um, things like Paul is dead, Paul is dead. And there was this big Mm -hmm. thing that Paul had died and nobody was telling anyone. And I guess that was really strange to me. Why would there come a time that people felt like that they could hide things and that you couldn't see them or couldn't hear them. And as I began to do research uh, in regard to end-time prophecy, and that's what I have really, I guess, had a passion for since I was a young girl, to understand end times, it made sense to me that there was a lot going on after I saw the way this was happening and began to look at some of the things that were brought into the onto the table, I guess, when I was in my master's degree working in psychology, in regard to um, being able to use hypnotism to do certain things, that there were uh, things that were allowing you to manipulate the mind at a distance through certain brainwave activity and that there had been some psychological warfare that had actually been used against uh, the Americans, even in Russia, in which it was kind of like these beings were aimed at the embassy, and they they actually affected, and three of our ambassadors actually died. And so when I began to look at how the mind has the capability to be manipulated, then that uh, really did concern me when I learned that there were other things, for example, like when we would go to the movie theaters years ago, they would have like, the show, and then they would kind of take an intermission, and they would show all this stuff for intermission, and I didn't realize that they were had figured out that if they show things in red and different colors, 
that it actually stimulated the desire to want to to drink or become thirsty. So now you look at what is co- what Coca-Cola uses that red used to be really red on their their cans and bottles and stuff, and and then you start seeing that it's a play that somebody's manipulating you, but yet you didn't realize it. And that right. has always subliminal messages, right? Yes, yes, and it, and, and and to me. If you can manipulate people without them knowing it and you can sell products or you can uh, get them to behave in a certain way, then that's doing it without you being aware of it. And that concerns me because it seems like from those days as a young girl, I've seen that science be brought full fold into you know everything from movies and let's look at the 3D movies that are going on right now. I mean, you, you stop and think. When you put something in 3D, it's no longer like you're just looking at a picture. You're actually, you know, this fiber optic cable that's in, involved in this and that it can take you a little bit deeper into the mind. And um, you'll start noticing there's going to be more and more and more of this 3D because we're moving to that holographic uh, images that can be projected to different places and people will understand it in your presence and they're not, but yet they're there in, in actual 3D. So there's a process of what I call unlocking the mind's, the mind's eye to see things in this world in a different manner than what we have ever truly known that existed. There has always been that secret group that I think has come through history, and I write a great deal about that in my book, Eating the Knowledge of Good and Evil, that has known of these things and has used, really utilized them against humanity and has now perfected it to the point that they're, they're putting it in little things, and the more that people like myself are making people aware of it, it's so far advanced to be able to stop it at this point Unless I guess I, if I got on maybe NBC <laughs> and, and was able to show some of this information, you might be able to really maybe put a stop or a real concern. But unless you take that big step into the bigger realms where you can introduce this information, people are not even aware that this is going on. And I know one of the things that has concerned me is that they have a lot of video games out there, including this um, Guitar Hero and some of the things that um, are being used for children to be a part of in their families and make it family-oriented. But, for example, in, in those Guitar Hero things, you've got, you've got three frets of guitar that looks like it's running towards you. And then you've got colors, lights, and sounds with a certain beat going on and at the same time, there are certain evil place symbols within the framework of what they're they're staring at, trying to match their hands to the colors and whatever on the guitar or on the set of drums. And at first... So would you say, uh, I'm sorry, but would you say that the Guitar Hero has like a binary beat that goes with it? Kind of like when yeah, we so buy that, a brain sync? Okay, uh-huh, that's it, what I was wondering. It really, it really does, and it has the lights and the flashing... It also has some movement. Many years ago when we would hypnotize people, you would typically look at a circle or thing moving around and around like black and white, and it would roll and roll, and you'd watch that and watch that till your eyes became very hypnotized, and then you were kind of locked into that. These frets and the way that's moving towards you like that is doing the eyes in the same manner as well as the beats and the sounds 
are similar. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that has concerned me greatly because if you watch kids who really get into it, they're almost locked into it. It's um, Yeah, hypnotized, right. They're, to- they're totally hypnotized by it. But yet no one is really going, <gasps> if they're being hypnotized, and they're hypnotized to the music, and the music has any evil lyrics. And if they're paying attention so much to that, and then those other symbols are flashing before their eyes, it's making impression upon the brain, no different than the Mm -hmm. subliminal things that we were talking about earlier that were much less. uh, Like the popcorn, like wanting to crave popcorn (laughs) when you're watching a movie, right? That's right. So, I mean, now we're looking at things that are in people's homes, that are, you know, big mm-hmm. sellers, people are playing it, they're being a part of it, they're locked into it. And uh, and it is a concern, and the reason it's a concern is that I have seen through my research that there is a gland that sits in our head that's called the pineal gland, and I always call right. it the pineal gland because, the pine, because it looks like a little pine cone. And, of course, growing up in right. South Georgia, pine cones have, third always, eye. And that's, yeah. have been a part of my life because we've played with them forever. But what happened was when I started looking at some of the archaeological finds, like over in um, Iraq and and Babylon from the days of Nimrod, and some of the archaeological carvings that have been unearthed there show these people holding these things that look like pine cones. And I've always thought it was strange when we would go out as children and play with a pine cone, you would... You know, they would open up, and, of course, inside of them were seeds. And we would try to get the seeds out because you could eat the pine nut. But if you left it outside and it rained and you went back out to look at that, that thing would have closed up and it was was so tight you couldn't budge it open. But yet when the the sun came out, those things would start opening back up. And I thought that was very, very unusually strange in the fact that it was no longer connected to the tree, but yet it kind of almost had a life unto itself. And Mm -hmm. so when I began doing a little bit of research about that gland, then I began to see that there was a lot of information that had been kind of suppressed from a medical standpoint because wanting to understand the medical aspects of it. You can find a lot of things in regard to third eye, uh, the crown chakra. You could could find Mm -hmm. stuff like that into Eastern religions and things. But Mm -hmm. being able to understand what is it about that gland that has some kind of play upon our body that we may not truly understand is going on. And nobody has really uh, anatomically, from a uh, science standpoint, put out a lot of information on it. And so when right. I began trying to get a lot of research about the science part, what kind of hormones are going on there, um, what do the hormones that it controls or regulates, what do they do to the body totally so that if you are affecting that gland, um, if, you're if you are affecting it some way, either in doing meditation or listening mm-hmm. to music or watching these things like on TV and the, in the video games, or yeah. if you are, let's say, for some reason uh, schizophrenic, who seems to be hearing voices that are actually making you change into personalities that you typically are not, and yet when doing you do the research on those people, I, I was had a unique situation in that I worked with handicapped people who were mentally retarded, and that's what they were called at the time. Now it's mentally challenged. But mm-hmm. um, 
I found it strange that when I would um, have a couple of these people that were, you know, considered and, and diagnosed as schizophrenic, they would be mentally retarded in their normal, capable self that would be, the, I guess, the, the, the main personality. But yet mm-hmm. when they would go into these diverse personalities or either begin hearing voices, they lost the mental retardation. And I thought that was very unusual that something mm-hmm. could inhabit the body, but the body could be used as a vehicle without the disability. And, you know, that was at a time when there was just little known about that. And anywhere I would ask the question, I would always get, a, well, we don't know, that's unusual, that's an unusual case. And, and I just found that there was, no, there was no information. And so as I progressively began to do the research that I do now, and, and I have to do a lot of research to kind of keep up with all the disciplines that, I actually touch on because my book Eden is filled with all sorts of things because they're all tied together. And to understand the whole, you've got to get all the pieces in place. And I think there's a reason the pieces have been separated out and things have been specialized is to keep people from understanding the whole truth. Because if you don't understand the whole truth and you're basing your foundation on this little piece and that little piece and then nothing seems to fit, but then when you establish the foundation and you're able to bring the pieces of the puzzle to the table, you're no longer blinded by your doctrine. In other words, if you're specializing right. in, let's say, nanotechnology and somebody else is specializing in biotechnology and somebody else is specializing in, in you know, schizophrenic behavior and another one is specializing in psychotic behavior that doesn't incorporate uh, you know, mentally retarded or mentally challenged people, then you can right. kind of see those separate, de- you know, those doctrines so separate that they can't see the forest for the trees. So right. you've got to go out and grab information from this discipline, this discipline, this discipline, this Put them all together, you, yeah. Yeah, once you put them together, then it all makes sense that something is very unique about this gland that sits on our head, and mm-hmm. it, it, it is very powerful. And then, of course, my research, you know, took me all the way back into the Egyptians, and I always found it very interesting that the Egyptian pharaohs, that there was a race of beings that that served as what I call the kings and priests of the early time period, and more than likely probably were doing the same thing before the great flood of Noah, mm-hmm. that seemed to be a little bit different than the typical normal human being like you and I, and at first, I had been always told when I would ask questions when I was a younger person about these uh, pictures that we saw, you know, painted there in um, in Egypt with these pharaohs that had these elongated craniums. Their skulls were, like, long. And I remember asking, you know, a particular history teacher in high school, well, you know, I understand if children are born with a problem and they have a huge head and they used to call it water head. Most people were, were, not, yeah, were not physically or mentally capable of running kingdoms. So immediately you would know that those people could not have been like leaders of uh, a huge uh, civilization such as the Egyptians were. And mm-hmm. I know that there were theories at that time that they were saying that, well, well, 
to you know to elongate that, they would take and tie <laughs> boards to the children's heads when they were born, and they were shaping them that way. And that was some of the answers that I got from professors because people truly didn't know. And unfortunately, Katie, there is a lot of forbidden archaeology out there that is hidden in the vaults of the Vatican, that's hidden in mm-hmm. you know the British Museum. That's, you know, that's underground that that we don't have answers to. So instead of bringing it to the table to discuss and try to put it all together, they push it in some corner, label it, and hope, you know, nobody ever finds it until maybe somebody says, oh, you know, I think we've got something that looks like that in box going back in the back of one of those museums and they bring it out. That is unfortunate because once you start suppressing information, then the truth is, is not really totally known. And, um, you know, the more if we uncovered archaeological finds there in Egypt, then, of course, we began digging up the skulls of these particular people. And now that we have technology, what we do, you know, we were taking King Tut, and they've done, you know, like the scans of him showing that his head is bigger than the the, the normal person, let's say you and I, and that, that the brain was in there and, and whatever. So the fact that there is a uniqueness and a difference uh, tells me that someone was very conscientious that apparently were the so-called rulers of these kingdoms that the brain, if it was enlarged or if something was allowed to expand, that did it allow contact with another realm, and mm-hmm. in doing a, a lot of the research into the pineal gland, um, there were several books that I actually were able to look at it. Some of the people who had done remote viewing, uh, there mm-hmm. were people who had done the use of LSD. There were case studies that I looked at uh, with the use of a, a drug called DMT, which is a type of hormone that is actually produced in the brain, but it's in small quantities. But what was interesting is even in the DMT cases that the small quantities that people were trying to blame that when we do uh, case studies on near-death experience where you've got people telling us that when they die that they are actually seeing things in another realm. Uh, No different than someone that uses LSD would say that or people who use marijuana have said that and people who have remote viewed have said those kinds of things. So when I began to look at all those different things and see, well, what what is unique about those and what are what similarities exist? Well, there's great similarity, and I think that the 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 the, the point that really gave me the red flag that that something allows us to cross over or something allows us to have uh, a step into a realm uh, that we can't normally see with our physical eyes that this particular gland is a workable eye in lizards and right. that it works. But yet in the human mind, it apparently has something to do with the hormones and, and things of that nature. And so um, when I did the research on children who had near-death experiences, I found it very interesting because children typically have not grown up yet and don't have this anxiety, do I not tell what I just saw, if I tell this, somebody's going to think I'm crazy. I'm just going to, as a child, and you know as as well as I do, if your mother asks you something, you totally trust her and you just tell her the whole story. 
uh, without any inhibition about what you were saying. I just saw this, 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 and this, and and you said Mm -hmm. it the way you really saw it. And I think it's interesting that when you look at the near-death experiences of children, that what they bring to the table is, is not only the innocence behind it, but the fact that they are seeing something very unique and very strangely different and that they are having some type of relationship with whatever is happening there when they leave their bodies and come back. Um, and I guess when I was trying to come to terms with what could be in our body that had the connection to that other realm, the only thing that I could find was that this, this pineal gland apparently had something to do with it. And for some reason... It's okay for people to do meditation and do whatever, but let's don't go a step further and really let the the scientific uh, information that we've gathered out right now because we can, if we're uh, the people who want to rule the world, we can use that technology to benefit the control of mankind. And well, that's what I find really I'm, interesting, oh, I'm sorry, um, what I was going to say is I find very interesting that myself and, and a few other people I know that have worked, you know, done a lot of third eye work or pineal gland work is that I can't play video games. I would go into an epileptic seizure. That's right. So and I that's find that interesting thing. as well. See, the thing that, that really stuck out to me about that was that in working again with mentally challenged people, I dealt with a lot of people who had epileptic seizures, the grand mm-hmm. mal and the petty mal. And it was interesting to me that if I, let's say, I wanted to do a dance for them for uh, Valentine's Day, if uh-huh. I had a group come in to play music and they brought in just regular lights, let's say colored lights, red, blue, green, and they they did the lights with a off and on beat, we had a problem. If they were uh-huh. on and they just changed, like, all of a sudden, you know, in a song, they put on the yellow lights, and the next song they put on the green lights. They had no problem. But the moment mm-hmm. that you allowed them to strobe, and, of course, we had strobe lights when I was younger, and, we, you know, everybody mm-hmm. would say, how long can you stare at that before you get a headache? Oh. And how kids would just sit and watch those lights going off and on. Well, I had to be really careful because if, if for some reason somebody said, we didn't, you know, for some reason they didn't understand, don't turn a strobe light on, I would have people who had major problems. And mm-hmm. so strobe lights do that that constant flickering at that certain beat time-wise. Mm-hmm. It, it does something to that um, part of the brain, and it will mm-hmm. absolutely cause seizures. And I, in my first... Um, research on the on that was that I found a case study of and I do mention this in Eden that happened over in Japan with this Pokemon uh cartoon. And they uh-huh. did a type of uh flickering in that one of, in one of the shows. And there was like three hundred and something children that were sent to the oh, hospital when that happened. Hello? Hello? Well, Katie? I'm not sure what just happened there. Did I, did you lose me? I think we might have just lost Dr. Joy. Oh, no. Joy, if you Hello? can hear me, give me a call. Oh, you're there. Okay, great. I thought we lost you for a minute there. Well, I don't know. Something clicked. I'm like you. I heard something click, but I, can you hear me? Yeah. Yes, I can hear okay. you loud and clear now. Great, because okay. I was like, oh, I'm so into that. <laughs> 
But I know myself and other people have problems with that where, you know, you play a video game or even some certain things and all of a sudden you get a really bad headache and and you're just, you start going away. That's right. So, yeah, that's really interesting. This particular Pokemon show sent Uh 300 and some odd kids to the hospital who were sitting watching that show. Wow. So I'm like, okay, we have got to really pay attention attention to what we are watching. So that's what I'm saying is that I don't think that people are really in tune. They think that these things are fun, and that's the way it's brought to the table to enjoy Mm -hmm. this as a video game or participate. But even if you think about doing this, for example, if you look at the third eye um, posters that you cross your eyes, and once you cross your eyes, what seems to be nothing but a bunch of, you know, um, colors or whatever mingled together, then once you cross them and you focus, you can see like a a lion in the picture or whatever's mm-hmm. been put in that picture. But a person that would not understand across the eye might walk up to the picture and say, well, oh, that's a pretty collage of color, and walk on and never see the image. But yet people with eyes to see would know that's one of those things and walk up to it and cross their eyes and move back, and they could see a whole landscape in there. So I find it interesting that that exists, and until you uh, have the knowledge of how something could be very pretty on the outside but yet very evil on the inside, that's where my research began to take me because as I began to look at some of the more famous paintings uh, in in the world, I began to see that if you could use your eyes, you began to pull out of those paintings some very evil symbols staring back at you. And on my website, if people are interested in, in, in looking at some of this, uh, mm-hmm. again, www.drjoy.com, D-R-J-O-Y-E.com, go mm-hmm. to the research page, and you can see under Da Vinci. If you click on that Da Vinci link, it will take you to some of Da Vinci's paintings because he was probably one of the most famous who used what I call harmonic sacred geometry. Mm-hmm. And when he painted we were able to take, I have a, a wonderful young lady that is very talented in her capabilities as far as being able to help me reverse images and get mirror images and that kind of thing. Because when I began seeing these things with my eyes, I would tell people I can see these things, but nobody else could see them. Because I had practiced using my eyes so much when I was looking at some of the footage that NASA was sending back in regard to the moon and Mars and that we were starting to find that there were symbols in those uh, pictures that were being released back. But if you didn't know how to to look at those things, you couldn't tell that there was something really in those images. And I I was really training my eyes trying to look at those images. And uh, and so um, this young lady came to the table and offered to help me be able to do that. And, and now on my website, you can see that once you do these mirrored images and these reverse images, you get these terrible, terrible evil symbols that are lined up in these paintings. So what is happening is that these paintings, somebody knew they were like this. And they are little libraries in stone. So when people walk by and say, oh, what a pretty painting 
of uh, Jesus and the Last Supper. But yet uh-huh. when you look at those images reversed and mirrored, it is full of some of the most evil things that you can imagine. And we we have looked, she and I have really looked at some of the other paintings. And let me just say this, Katie. They are so pornographic that I will not put them on my website. They, I mean, they yeah, a lot of artists cool. actually do that. If you if you look at, um, I learned that actually in art school. If you look at, uh, a lot of times in advertisements, uh, a lot of times the ice is actually painted in, and they'll put all kinds of crazy stuff in the ice. And people, if you if you open up a magazine, just about any magazine, and you really focus on those ice pieces and what they you know what the artists actually put in them it can be quite uh like you said pornographic at times if you really pay attention well i just you know i i I guess the first time that it really really concerned me was that we were looking at um i had come across the first painting of jesus Mm -hmm. that was um actually done and put in uh saint catherine's uh monastery there in sinai uh, Egypt, and um, it's probably one of the, I guess, most famous paintings of him, and that's also on my website. But what was interesting to me was that I could tell from the work with my eyes um, that these these paintings had been manipulated. And um, mm-hmm. so when I got um, the young lady to help me with this, and she did the reversals for me, I'll never forget the first night once she sent me back what she had flipped and done and I printed it off and I sat there in my chair rocked back and I began to look at all these evil, I'm talking about evil things looking back at me while I'm looking at this painting and I'm thinking, I mean I almost got sick, it was like you know, you just can't get over that that stuff is there and unless you have the capability or the knowledge how to bring it out of there you mm-hmm. typically may have been seeing it all the time with your mind's eye. That's what worries me, that sublingually it's indoctrinating, but yet you can't see it unless you know where to look at it. And So, uh, no, I guess my main question would be in regards to that, what would be the point and what would be the, is it to instill fear in people? What would be the benefit for someone to do that? Well, you know, the thing that I found was it seems that, especially before, the let's say, the Enlightenment period or the Renaissance period, mm-hmm. that there were already this desire to keep information from certain people. And, I mean, the mm-hmm. secret society groups began with the Dragon Kings in Egypt. And, uh, of course, they had a mark that looked like an X mark. Uh, not a When you think about an X, like we make the, the letter X, where all four sides of the... Uh, the X are equal. Mm-hmm. That was what they used as their uh, what I call coat of arms. And it seemed to me that the more information that I was able to obtain from their writings and and whatever, that there was a trend to keep information hidden. And the way they would do it um, was not only in their paintings and in their architectural designs. But they were also doing this in, for example, stories. And one of the the most famous kind of stories that interested me a lot as a young person was the story of King Arthur and Camelot. 
Mm-hmm. And the more that I dug into how were these these supposed legends and myths, that within that is if you know the the true story, it's a way for me to talk to you about something very secret. And if someone overhears us, they think we're talking about there was this king and he had this woman and he had this place that he called Camelot and he had a sword and and there was Lancelot. I mean, they would think it's just a typical, maybe fictitious kind of story. But hidden within that is a whole story about what we're going to plan to do in the future and, and what this is going to mean. And, and and so if you were out telling the story, you would hear, uh, if you didn't know the story and what it meant, you would just hear a legend. It would mean nothing right. to you. So this is the same thing that I've been able to uncover that I think is hidden in the prophecies of Nostradamus. That, for example, the quatrains are all mixed up. They don't. They seem right. to have no rhyme or reason. But yet, if you look at where we have come with looking at biblical equidistant letter sequencing, and that is where the Bible codes have recently been brought to the attention in the forefront, where you count so many letters, and then you get an, another letter that equals something. And of course, the the Bible codes because of the uh, the advantage that we've gained with Bible cases through the use of technology in the computer that that you can look at, let's say, a group of scriptures and all of a sudden you can see things that have happened in the future that all tie together that end up being within a framework of the scripture that it's talking about. And um, I think that, that really Nostradamus, if you know, let's say, for example, that the codes are every ten letters, pull that letter out. That you would get, you know, if you need to do that and you put the ten letters out and then all ten letters were out and then you, let's say, in like in Da Vinci's work, you have to write it backwards because he did mirror writing. In other words, he wrote backwards and then you took the, the letters and you put them in a sequence backwards, then you can have a whole document sent to someone. It's no different than the codes that we used or the Japanese used or the Chinese used when uh-huh. we do military things, is that right. you know the sequence of the code and, and what is there. And I think Impressive. what right. has been copied is that a long time ago we know that Hebrew was written in a form of numerical numbers. And then the numbers were translated to the particular glyphs that are Hebraic as far as the language is concerned. When you when you look at this, if anything in the Bible, you can see that how could something know the future? It's, it's very very unusual that you find any other book that you can take and do equidistant letter. And many books have been tried, and they didn't garner or bring about to the to the table uh, interesting information in regard to like the Bible tells you certain things like 9/11, Bush. There's all these kind of things that are all in the same aspect of within the the scripture itself that may be talking about something to come in the future and then all of a sudden you've got all these things that did happen uh, that kind of meet the, I guess, the thought process of what that scripture could have meant. Where if you take um, a book like, say, with Gone with the Wind and you try to find equidistant letter sequence and there you may find some words, but it won't tie into what the book has been written in. But I do think that Nostradamus, 
the way his quatrains are written and some of the skipping around and whatever, people have tried to make them match things, but they just haven't right. really totally matched. So it's no different than we think about the Rosetta Stone. We, you know, for years and years people thought they knew what uh, the Egyptian uh, letters and whatever meant, but then when you got the Rosetta Stone, all of a sudden you've got language and you've got a whole different ball game going on. So it, there, apparent to me is in doing the research that there is some hidden things that have been and are still hidden from from view, and it really um, started, I think, to mimic or parallel what was truly good. And of course, in my book, even the knowledge of good and evil, I take you back to the Garden of Eden to show you that Satan was playing around in that you know, the tree of good and evil, trying to do something to mankind. And he was paralleling something that God was doing to try to take man's mind in another direction. And we know because Eve ate of the fruit and participated with the serpent that we, in fact, became a fallen, you know, being, which had only by the grace of God coming and and bringing his son into the world to die can we be redeemed to go back into a paradise-type state. And so as I began to see these parallels that existed in biblical prophecy in regard to, you know, the whore of Babylon, the mixing that was going on, um, the fact that there's a serpent and a dragon, and that somebody's going to come as an antichrist playing like they are uh, Jesus, then I'm like, that can take you all the way back to the garden. You can see the same kind of things that led up to the fall of man coming up to the end. And, of course, biblical scripture has told us and it's prophesied that the end of days will be very much like the days of Noah. And I, in my research, have seen so many parallels to that that I'm like, okay, if there was a good guy and there was a bad guy, and he set out to, to teach people a certain way, and this is the way he laid down the law, and he wanted his people to follow. He was straightforward with it, and he had it this way. But if you were an evil person, you would say, okay, I'm going to do just the opposite, but I'm going to use the same type of format. And I think that's where you can go back, and, of course, my research shows you how to go back and takes you back to the days of the Dragon Kings that I believe actually came through the flood uh, through Noah's son, Ham, and that the Canaanite or Cain lineage that, that, that really in Genesis 6-4 that mingle with, you know, the, the sons of uh, God, mingle with the daughters of man, that that was in fact these fallen angels coming upon the daughters of man and that they were having a sexual relationship and actually producing something that became a giant, that we see that the DNA of man was changed in some way because of course, we know that if Adam and Eve had had children and their DNA was perfected because Eve came out of Adam, there would not have been like recessive genes and things that would have changed. And we know from even biblical scripture that after the flood that there was that remnant that apparently was still here, meaning that the DNA was still available because Og and some of the giants that existed after the flood, they had six fingers and six toes. And right. they genetic things still exist in the human population today because I have met people and have seen people who have six toes and six fingers. 
so so we still have some people who are giants. I mean, in the land of China, they've got a lot of guys that that meet that what I call the giant trait. And then we have traits of you know dwarfs and things of that nature. So there has been some play on the human DNA system of some mixing that has definitely occurred. But the thing that is most important is that there is a an unseen um, standard of literature, painting, archaeological drawings that are out there that the normal average person who maybe doesn't look at, at the 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 Last Supper of Christ that was painted by Da Vinci as an evil painting, they go and they, they admire it for what it is, but then when you show them, like I have on the website, all this other stuff that's staring back at you, it's terrible to think that you're staring at something that you think is pretty, but what's staring back at you is very evil. And I parallel that to the Antichrist because forever people would say, you know, who the Antichrist will be, what is the Antichrist going to be like, what is he going to, you know, what's he going to bring to the, to the table and what generation. And with all the things that I've been able to piece together, it appears that we are the generation that's going to see all this come to pass. And so, you know, we have all been taught, especially with Halloween coming up, that the devil is, in fact, this little red guy, and he has these little horns, and he's got this little tail, and then he's carrying his little pitchfork around. And I was always like, well, I find that very strange because when I read the Bible, it says that the days are not cut short, that nobody could really sustain themselves, and that even the elite could be deceived. And I'm like, okay, how could true Christians who study this stuff every day and every night, why wouldn't anybody go? Because when we think about the people who have been considered Antichrist-type people, that being Hitler, and um, Mm -hmm. the real evil ones, right? Yeah, that you would go, that is an evil genius. You would pick it up, and you would want to stay very far away from them. And I'm like, okay, apparently this guy that's coming is not going to do that. He's not going to be dressed in the red suit. He's not going to have the pitchfork in his hand, and he's not going to look like Hitler. I think I just lost you again. Hmm. Really funny phone connection tonight, right when we're talking about something that's – something that would want to be played with and that information to be gotten out for everyone. <laughs> Can you hear me? Did I lose you, Joy? I heard oh, something I click again, but I didn't, yeah, I didn't it's, know if I... Yeah, it's the it's switchboard every once in a while on our call. It's It's been splashing out, and then all of a sudden you come back. So I thought that was very kind of ironic. We're talking about what the traits of a true antichrist would be like, and then it pops out. So That's right. <laughs> I find that strange, too. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, what we're in agreement is that it would be somebody that you wouldn't think. But right. I think the Bible somewhere doesn't it, it states somewhere in there too though that we only God knows when the end is near and only God knows who the true Antichrist is and so I guess because of that a lot of people or that's what's preached to a lot of people, so we just don't try to we try not to dwell and, and understand that, I guess. Well, I know that for many years I always thought that it said, you know, you can you cannot know when the return would be that Jesus would come like a thief in the night. But once you learn that there was a Hebrew tradition that before the full or before the new moon that they put watchers on the wall and there was a 48-hour period that they would wait to find that new moon. And the moment that they saw that it was the new moon, then they would blow the trumpet and everybody would head to the temple. 
And if you mm-hmm. didn't get into the temple by a certain time, the doors were closed and everybody that didn't get in was left on the outside. Mm-hmm. That is what that scripture is referring to. So it's not, telling us, it's not telling us that we can't know. It may tell us we don't know the date and the time because those people, that it, that piece that it's referring to, they didn't know that 48-hour piece, but they were all knowing that it was about to happen. So that's where the Bible tells us you can discern the time. And and it goes into you can know the times and to be a watchman and to be prepared for that. And I think that's where people are not really stopping to think that it was only a 48-hour period. We're not talking about years and whatever. We're talking about a very small, minute time period between the time we start seeing the changes in the sun, moon, and stars the fulfilling of prophecy as to, as to what Revelation is telling us, the the step into the world scene of a man proclaiming himself to be Jesus, the fact that you'll be marked, will be um, chipped or whatever with this mark of the beast, that we cannot buy, sell, or trade. All these kinds of things will start coming in one generation, which, like the days of Noah, have gotten so bad and so out of control that the only way mm-hmm. to rationally God to deal with it is to bring judgment. And so Well, you know, the one thing that I I am I'm not in agreement with um the fear. I think that we really in the grand scheme of things we really don't have anything to be fearful of. And it's like I, I try to live my life, you know, looking at like day to day life for people listening is I try not to live my life in fear, so I, I think we either live from, come from a place of love or fear, one or the other. So, how is it that you can live day to day life with this knowledge that you have, and still live a life that's peaceful and in love? You know what I'm, I, I'd, I'd like to know the focus of that. Like, how is it that I know you have an immense amount of knowledge, and I almost want to just bring you back on the show again so you can clarify more. But how do you day to day not have the feeling of fear? Well, see, the Bible specifically tells us not to ever fear. And right. it's very important that we not fear. The only right. thing that ever tells us to fear is is the fear of the Creator. And that, and knowing that, as long as you are mm-hmm. fulfilling what is love and love of that Creator and expectation of what that Creator is establishing, then anything that we deal with, we are not to fear. Uh, in fact... If you look at what fear does to the body, it actually will destroy it. That is why the Bible right. tells us time and time again that a merry heart doeth the body good. Those kinds of things are very, very important. And the bad thing is the fear comes from Satan. And if you allow that kind of thing to manipulate you and play with you, then it is bringing, in other words, once your mind turns into a negative, it actually draws negative energy to you. And exactly. that can play itself into in disease processes and in, in happiness. That's why, you know, you look at the Bible and you think about uh, Paul and Silas. They were there in prison. And instead of going, whoa, it's us, here we are, we're doing right, and, and we're locked up, we have no food, they started singing and praising God. And, of course, what happened was an earthquake. I mean, the doors of the place were literally opened up, and the, and the guard outside you know, when he went to look, they were still sitting in the cell, and he knew that if they had gotten away, that he would have been killed for letting the prisoners right. get away. But then as what happened was is that he saw their happiness in their 
in, in their situation, and he was converted by that. So I think it's it's really important that as far as what all is going to happen, I absolutely have no fear in regard to that. The only thing that I fear is that I do not want to ever do anything that would keep me from re-entering into the paradise for which I truly believe that I was created by a creator for. But I, I, I want, you know, to be aware that there is an evil genius out there with the purpose of trying to keep us from paradise. He pulled Adam and Eve out of it. He wants us never to see that. And he and that but don't entity, you feel, I'm sorry to interrupt. I, I was I, I just feel that um part of that the yin and the yang of everything is for us to learn lessons and to know no fear. So I guess if I look at the the um the negative versus the positive is that sometimes we have to have the negative in order for us to grow and learn. And I look at this as like first school, so we have to we're we're here to learn specific lessons. So um I don't look at it as is is quite so black and white, I guess. Well, you're, what, what we're doing is, as we as we gain information, and I know that Paul even mentions this either in, in Corinthians or Ephesians when he's talking about the fact is, if we gain information, we mm-hmm. we come to the terms of understanding good and evil. Right. But if 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 you are not able to handle that, then you can't understand the meat of the total situation. And that's what I'm saying. I think some of the things that I'm uncovering are going that mm-hmm. step further to show people who are a step further that these are the things that we may still be dealing with that we don't realize that are impacting us. If you're right, and I think it's really important to surround, yeah, good use good spiritual hygiene and staying away from the things that you're talking about. Like for me, video games. It's really important that I'm not, you know, playing but, video but, games uh, obviously because. Right, that can affect you not only uh, hypnotically but physically where you go into the seizures, these strange uh, uh, hormones. You know, one of the things that I I researched in my book, Eden, was in regard to the crop circles. Crop circles have always interested me because they were actually, they appear on what we call ley lines or dragon lines, the magnetic grid of the the earth. And there's typically Uh underwater things there where people who, you know, can douse that you can find water through dowsing and you have a, a, a feeling if you I douse a little bit and that's how I right. learned about this because that's how really people found wells in South Georgia was through dowsing. And mm-hmm. there is this great uh effect upon the body. Well what I found was in the crop circles, the crop circles also are on these particular water sites. And many of these water sites were located on old oracle sites and we know in the Bible where they talk mm-hmm. about uh, the Delphi, the Oracle Delphi, people would go and they would see it and that these, these mediums would allow these voices to come through them. And this is what got me interested in what was going on with the schizophrenics, like I was telling you about earlier. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all these things seem to tie together because in the crop circle, the particular things that are affected the most are the thyroid, pituitary gland, and the pineal gland. And if you take the hormones, Oh, let's say a blood test prior to going into a true crop circle, not one that's been hoaxed. You that's will that see that gets put together. <laughs> they, your blood work will be totally uh, changed by being in that wow. circle. So you know, I, I really go into detail about that in my in, in my book Eden, because 
that ties into a lot of things that are happening, that something is very, very much there. And, of course, I even mention in, in my book the concern that I have is that the human genome has 223 genes that don't have a, a, an evolutionary tree. In other words, there is nothing that says uh, Charles Darwin's theory made us or we came from an ape because those 223 genes don't exist in any other animal, any other thing that we could have evolved from. So it actually totally proves that Darwin's theory was not correct. And and what I've seen is that these particular genes, these 223 genes, they're only unique mm-hmm. to humans, that they have proteins that actually spell out and involve physiological and psychiatric fun- functions. And interesting enough, those genes are what gives us the intellectual ability to understand good and evil. And at the same time, they physiologically will bring about death to human flesh. And so, you know, I have to figure out how to get some of those genes into my dog so they can understand the difference between good and evil. (laughs) But I think it's very strange that um, apparently we were created to have Mm -hmm. this understanding, but whatever happened in eating of that fruit, it it brought about sin and it did bring about death. and, and, And these proteins do cause us to eventually have cell death and die. So um, while while it's very interesting to me, I, I find that in Revelation, the one thing that doesn't exist in paradise that existed in so-called paradise in Eden is that tree of good, of evil, good and evil is no longer there. So that means mm-hmm. that we have either come to a total understanding of good and evil and therefore, like you say, once you understand it, you know to stay away from it like you were mentioning earlier. Mm-hmm. That that is a right. very harmful uh, thing that will only cause you and 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 who you are spiritually a problem. And I, I think right. that you know the brain we only use ten percent of it, so you figure ninety percent is left for something. And uh, once you can tap into the capability of the entire brain, there's no telling what the thought and the understanding that we truly can have once we go back into let's say a total paradise state where that the evil thing is gone from us. Um, you know, I have to ask you about the 10% brain theory, though, um, just because what I learned in my psychology training was that um, we actually use more than that, but we can't use it all at the same time. Like, you can't move your, your hands, and the, the, the part of your brain that moves your leg that's sitting still is not being utilized, so that's where they come up with that figure. Is that not correct? In some cases, it is. So let me let me explain something that's very unique. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. The fact, the fact that when I worked with again with handicapped people, and I'm so blessed mm-hmm. because I learned so much by dealing with this hands-on. I would have mm-hmm. like a Down syndrome, who typically yeah. could say three words: uh, "I'm sick," uh, "I'm my mama's baby," and they could sit down at the piano and play better than Liberace or... I've seen that myself, too. It's beautiful. And I'm like, that's right. And and all of a sudden, you're like, the brain has a capability of doing certain things one way, yet it can be expanded into ways that don't make sense, where you see, especially child prodigies. For example, when we look at um, the last um, show on TV that was um, America's Got Talent, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden, we see a young child 
a literal child stand on stage and sing better than any opera singer that has ever sang that I know of that I have ever heard in the history of like an angel. That's right. Where does that capability find itself in the brain? And can it be tapped? Does everybody have it? If if one person has it there, does everybody have it? But yet it's there, and you and something is not tapping into it. I don't know, but I do feel like that when you see things like that, you've got to come to terms that with study, you know, the more we study something, or the more we draw, or the more that we practice. I play a lot of instruments. The more I practice my instruments, the better I play the my the instrument. Right. Uh, so the capability. It would have to be there for the brain to allow that expansion into that realm. So if there's right. something that's keeping us from expanding the brain, and again I go back to the thought process of the pharaohs. What was unique about their brains, and they were really big. The bigger the brain, the more capability. What what was it there that was so unique about those individuals? And so, uh, again, it, it all ties back to the fact that there's this, this little gland in our head, and the more I've studied it from a scientific standpoint, it appears to be that the pineal gland is more like an antenna mm-hmm. in our head. that's a quartz antenna that would be receptive to a transmission. And what right. concerns me is that with nanotechnology and some of the things that I have uh, researched and I do mention in regard to Tesla technology, scalar waves and that kind of thing, that if you were to beam or use particle beams or either use even use cell phone towers to project, let's say, if people have talked many years about the Heart Project that is in Alaska, that if you were to project images or project information up into the ionosphere and bounce it back onto the cell phone towers, and then you were able to project that to, let's just say, to everybody's cell phone at one time. Possibility? Great possibility. Now, mm-hmm. add to yeah. the fact is that if your gland is also like your cell phone, could we mass massively communicate to all people at a at a moment's notice where you would automatically in your head be receiving information? And that's the concern that I have about technology going to the point that someone who is becoming evil genius could have uh-huh. accessibility to that capability, and then that would override, you know, my or your biological fight against it. Because what happens with this technology is that if I beam these waves at your head and it is incepted through this antenna, then if I am beaming it at a certain wavelength, I can make you sleepy, I can make you anxious, I can speed your heart up, I can make you sweat. I can make you see hallucinations. But what and about, I, I guess my question would be, what about people that have worked really hard on their third eye and opening that pineal gland to control it? Wouldn't they know and have a sense of that going on before they could do that? The thing that worries me most is the fact that it's, if, if it's open, that mm-hmm. if it's in practice to be open, it's easier it's like, if, for example, when I first started trying to train my eyes to find these things in pictures. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, uh, I, I even had, 
it sent me to the eye doctor. I mean, I had some major problems because of what I was, um, you know, she was like, what are you doing? Anyway, anyway uh, I had to be very careful because what it was doing was allowing, yes, me to see these things, but it was also damaging my my eyes and the muscles of my eyes. Mm-hmm. And and what I found, that the more that I looked at stuff, I began to pick it up very easy, so I was more receptive to it. What worries mm-hmm. me is that if you are opening that gland, then it's like a muscle. The more you work mm-hmm. it, the easier it works, the more it opens up. If right. that's the case, then the evil people who have promoted using and being doing these kinds of things, if they know that, if they know how to use medications, or like I say, there's medications, the drug mm-hmm. industry is pushing that, You've got mm-hmm. these games and stuff. If you're if you're getting people's minds ready, then you are opening them to be used by something else. In other words, even though you think you control that, if mm-hmm. I'm at a distance and I am con- and I am shooting those beams at you, your body is going to respond to that, and you can't biologically stop it. It's like a stimulus. The only way that I can describe it is that I have a problem with caffeine. If I drink caffeine, mm-hmm. my heart's going to speed up. It's not going to slow down, no matter what I do, until that mm-hmm. stimulus is completely out of me. Well, I, I guess I guess then the key would be for people. Yeah, but I guess the key would be for people that are already open, is to be able to shut down as well. I think it's important again with spiritual hygiene that. When you open up, you also have to know how to close down. But see, the problem that I think is that they have developed a technology because mm-hmm. they know that it's a court that where you can right. open and shut it, they're going to be able to open and shut it without you being able to control it. Mm, that's pretty scary. That's, yeah, it is. Now, that's the part that I take in my research very, very seriously because the information that I have gotten and that I'm accumulating right now, I have got people who feel that they can't shut it off. Right, and they think that more and more people are becoming more and more open. Yes, and that something is absolutely putting thoughts in their mind and they cannot stop it. And, yes, they are very scared. And they, like I say, I'm getting more and more cases that I'm building on this because I'm seeing it, just more emails, more correspondence, people begging me, tell me what to do. Now, in in the aspects of dealing with abduction theories and the abduction cases that I've dealt with, the, the number one thing that will stop an abduction every time in its tracks is to call out on the name of Jesus. Right. It will totally stop. Uh, but we have been trying to use the name of Jesus in some cases with this, this gland being open, and for some reason these people are still having to fight an entity or fight a situation that they can't deal with. And mm-hmm. if that person, if that person is doing anything, anything that is evil, I mean just the smallest evil thing. It seems to set the opportunity to have the infiltration start back quicker. If a person says, well, you know, I um, I used to participate, let's say, uh, one of the, the one of the men that I was working with, he was very much into 
uh, pornography mm-hmm. and when all this stuff started happening. And I specifically said, what are you doing that is, you know, could be bringing something to the, you know, into the table that you're not telling anybody, you think anybody doesn't know? And we went through, you know, closet drinking. I mean, I was drugs. What yeah. You see another woman on the side. What What's going on? And finally he broke down and said that he had, had been addic- uh, actually uh, addicted to uh, pornographic images on the computer. He said, I didn't think it was hurting anybody. It, and nobody knew about it, da, da, da. And um, mm-hmm. I told him, I said, until you totally give that up, you're not going to be able to get rid of this. You're gonna, that's going to have to be the thing that you give up. So well, I do a lot of clearings on people that have attachments and their homes and things like that, and I know the one thing that is most powerful is, is love. I mean, it's it sounds so hokey and simple, but I know that that is. is one thing that really, it, you know, sending love and filling and you the think home about or the person up. The Bible constantly tells us God is love, God is love. The greatest right. of these things is, is love. love. I mean, it just constantly you're being bombarded if you read the Bible and read it through that that is something that keeps all this other stuff in there. So sure enough, Katie, once he backed off of that, he quit having the problem. Then about, I guess, three months later, he contacts me just hysterical. Now he seems to have not one, but he's got some other things going on. And I'm like, okay, the Bible says when you clean the house out, if you don't keep it clean, He's going to bring seven bad spirits back to you. And sure enough, when I began questioning, what had he started doing? Well, you know, somebody sending some stuff online. He got to looking at that, and sure enough, there he was. And then this time, it has taken so much longer to try to deal with this because, let's just say, Satan, evil is in a realm that parallels that good that we were talking about earlier. So where you and I are physical beings, there is a spiritual presence that knows our Achilles heel. And mm-hmm. if he can make us trip and fall, trip and fall, trip and fall, he's going to continue to do that because he knows, give you this stimulus, you're going to eventually come about with this response. And if you don't understand to keep yourself, like you were saying earlier, in that pure state or in that state of love, in that state of positiveness, then you're going to succumb to that, and that's how you're going to be controlled. And what worries me is the people that plan to control the world, they know that that gland is what they're going to, that they can use, and they can use it to control every human being on this planet. Well, we are all the love that created us, and if we stand firm in that, I think that we're all going to be just fine. Well, that I sounds very that, simplistic. It, yeah. once, once again, it sounds very simplistic, but I stand firm in my beliefs in that, that we are the love that created us. Well, I truly believe that in the end, the love that that, that we are taught about is what sustains and, and takes care of us. Because if it was not, if it was not, if there was not a thing called love, then the moment that we fell from, suppose, this, this Garden of Eden, there would have been no opportunity to have ever felt love. There would have been nothing in that regard. It would have been a negative, constant life of nothing. I mean, it would have just been an awful situation. And uh, right. thank goodness, thank goodness that, like I say, the greatest, the greatest, as the Bible says, the greatest of, of these things is love, and it is. Mm-hmm. It truly is. 
It really is, and I know that with all the clearings I've done, that's the one thing that works 100% of the time. And well, I'm just, I'm just so thankful that there is something like that for us because if we did not uh-huh. have it, can you imagine what a lot? I mean, I think about children, and I've dealt with abused children that never felt uh-huh. love. And you can even look at the animal kingdom. If if you take uh, uh, an infant from the mother and do not allow love to be a part of that, those mm-hmm. animals Advice. will literally die. They yep. die from Advice. it. They starve from it. So well, by the grace of God go I. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That is so true. So true. Well, I just wanted to let everyone know that if you want to get a copy of Eden, The Knowledge of Good and Evil, 666 and Antichrist, uh, now, is that the first book is not available right now, right? Right, that is out of print. Now, that's that's actually okay, that, the that one's out of print edition. Uh huh. And uh, okay, and, and then and you can Eden, go to www. Yeah, I'm sorry. Eden is is available. You can either download it. It's in a book form. It's in a. It's now in a CD, uh, cassette, tape set. Uh, I'm not uh, audio. CD, audio, audio book. And you can get it on audio book, or you can get it the actual CD disc as a as a twelve uh, disc set. And, wow! Um, so there's a lot of different ways that you can listen to that. And then of course my album, and I am working on a on a new book uh, that will bring oh. a lot of these things more to the table. And hopefully in maybe a couple of months that'll be a little bit closer to being completed. And and maybe within the next year I'll have that available. So they'll just keep checking my website when that becomes available. Now are you- are you doing more research on the pineal gland? Yes, I'm doing a lot. And, and the reason is it's because of the numbers of cases that I'm finding mm-hmm. where something appears to be jamming it. In other words, you can't come out of it. You can't shut it down. And, oh, and I'm yeah. trying to do – I've got two other people who are uh, involved in this with me in trying to understand what lights sound uh, and frequencies are having a play on the human mind, um, and, and it, it, I think it's something that that is not somebody doesn't want people to know about. Uh, I've had a couple of chances to be on radio shows, and it seems like even when we start talking, like we did tonight, about some of these things that we start having uh, problems with the equipment. Or either the host is really nervous, and 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 you feel like somebody has said something, don't go there. Um, and and they won't they won't take you to let you talk about this in detail. Oh, I'm I'm so totally interested in the pineal gland and the third eye, and I'm you know worked on that for years and years and developing, and uh, I know that more and more people are becoming open. So I think it's a very important topic, and I'd love to to, to learn about more of your research in that regard as well. Well, like I say, I'm hoping that uh, that maybe I can have a little bit more once I kind of get all these cases together and see mm-hmm. if we can determine what are they being exposed to. Are they are they all playing a certain game? Are they? All, I mean, when we start talking about people in all aspects of the country, and I get emails from all over the world that I'm seeing people having these problems. So it's not only in the United States. We're having people having problems, let's say, in England and Austria. In places like that, uh-huh. where where something seems to be lodging them open and they can't shut it down, and that's what worries me. That if people have been, you know, doing meditation and and they've been doing it uh-huh. in a way that they feel like is a right way and not a negative way, then 
they could be more susceptible when all this comes to pass if somebody's using that technology against mankind. And that well, we definitely need to know how to how to protect ourselves then, and use really good spiritual hygiene, and and uh, be doing what we know is right. That's right. That's right. Um, so, other than that, I, I can't think of any other ways to protect besides shutting down. And um, I I really firmly believe in the vibration of using oils and things like that for hygiene. And lavender oil has always been my favorite. <laughs> Just taking right. a nice simple bath and making sure you're clean and and using salt and every everything that's out there that we have available to us that God made us. Made for well, us we know that well, we know that you know that Moses uh, had the anointing oils and that mm-hmm. when you go and, and you uh, when the people were sick, the Bible specifically says for the elders to take that anointing oil and anoint them. And so mm-hmm. those oils, like you say, do have a, a vibrational frequency. And apparently, I mean, you look at what was brought to Christ, you know, frankincense, myrrh, and the gold there, that the three wise men, which ties back to the song a little bit. But um, mm-hmm. yeah. I, think it's very imp- I think it's very important to understand that all of this was not created just, and, and a lot of people want to try to promote that, you know, Big Bang Theory and here we are. But there's no way that, that we could be here with the capability that we have and the types of things that, uh, let's just say a part of our DNA and our genome trees and things like that. That stuff did not happen chaotically, and, mm-hmm. and so there is a major plan behind it all. It's headed in a direction that I feel like that will fulfill biblical scripture. So far, everything the Bible has talked about has come true. I don't see how it cannot come true according to what it says. But I think being prepared and being aware of what's going on is like much like you said. If you know what is about to happen, then you can kind of prepare yourself for it and have the choice exactly. about it without being taken. You know, unfortunately, the world and the people who want to control the world, they want to take you without you knowing it. That's when we talk talking about all the subliminal stuff that's going on. They want to be able to do things to you without you knowing it. And then, you know, once it happens, how do we get out of it if we're all corralled together and, and we can't we can't budge? And that's where I'm, I'm afraid that they're trying to take us. Well, I guess in the meantime, we'll have to keep studying and learning so that we can protect ourselves and those that we love that have also become open. And yes, I think so. And like I, I think having radio shows to be able to talk about it. And I, what worries me, mm-hmm. Katie, is that I'm afraid that your radio shows and and being able to talk about things like this, that they're going to get where they are going to censor this and not allow it to be talked about. Because, um, like I say, just things like your bigger bigger shows and your bigger news media won't even go there. They won't even touch it, even when you're able to say, you know, I've got case studies. I've seen this. I know hands-on situations, but yet, you know, they'll put whatever on TV and never mention this. So it's it's very upsetting to me to think that it's being hidden and, and the powers that be who typically are the big guys, they have a lot of money, they own the bigger stations, they own the bigger people mm-hmm. who have the radio shows, they're not going to allow you to bring this to the table. And that's scary. Well, they might just think we're eccentric. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think they always like, they have always said, well, that's a conspiracy theory. But the problem is, uh, I, I have a, a friend that does research, and he calls it conspiracy science. 
Because mm-hmm. if you study this, you find that if you didn't have a stimulus and response, to, there's a lot of things you could make up. But then once you start seeing patterns, then you know that that conspiracy is no longer a fictitious thing, but is a science that's being played underhandedly without people knowing about it on the surface. And when you start exposing it, they don't want it exposed and will go to any aspect, which we know in, in research and the people who have tried to bring this, these things out in centuries past, they just kill them to keep it from being known. Well, we've got five minutes left, so I wanted to give you a heads up. And thank you so much for being on Intuitive Skies. It's been just a pleasure, and I'd love to have you come back and talk some more because I know well, people listen, are interested I would in love that. to, Katie, any time you know, in the future that you've got an opening, maybe after the first year, I'd love to come back and maybe talk a little bit more, maybe where my research is going and what I'm finding out because I do think it's, it's yeah. imperative for people to know the truth about what is happening and and again, thank you for uh, playing one of my songs. And I do hope oh, if anyone listening tonight that that has any questions, please email me. You can go to my, like I say, you can go to my website, and it has a place where you can contact me. And I do try to answer uh, my my emails. I have a lot of them, and sometimes it may take <laughs> a month or two for me to get them all, you know, answered. But I do really try to answer or, or lead you in a direction to look as far as other books or other research or whatever, uh, to help you make the right choice because everybody has to make the choice for themselves, but I just don't want you to be uninformed. Well, so thank, thank you, you for so much. giving me the chance to be on tonight and to be a guest. I've enjoyed all it. All my love and, and many, many blessings to you, and I can't wait to talk to you again. And please keep in touch with the research and let me know how it's going. That sounds great, Katie. Okay, well, thank you again, and I'll talk to you soon. That sounds good, and God bless you. God bless. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that was certainly a pleasure to talk to Dr. Joy Jeffries, too, and her book can be found at her website, drjoy.com, drjoypew.com. And uh, let's see, I wanted to make a couple of announcements. I do have my new website up, so please check that out when you get a chance, and that's at intuitiveskies.com. That's S-K-I-E-S. And next week we'll be having some new and fun things going on. I'm sorry we kind of ran out of time talking. It was so interesting that we didn't get to do our contest tonight, but we will do that next week. And I hope to have another interesting guest on for everyone. And I wish everyone all my very best and many blessings and I will talk to you soon. Have a great night, everyone. Lots of love. Bye-bye.